and welcome to the Healthcare Dollars and Good Sense podcast. This podcast series, hosted by Barry Dunn, focuses on highlighting ideas, tools, resources, and expertise to uncover opportunities for healthcare organizations seeking to reduce expenses and improve cash flow. All this amidst a challenging economic and healthcare reimbursement landscape. I'm your guest host, Regina Alexander, a principal in Barry Dunn's Healthcare Practice Group. And my co-host for this discussion is my longtime partner in crime, Principal Sue Pryor. Merry podcast day to you, Sue. And to you, Regina. Healthcare providers are really under some heavy financial strain at the moment, both financial and for resources. Solving these issues via the patient revenues alone can't do it. And so we are very happy to have this podcast and continue to bring ideas to the different healthcare providers that are in our industry. So without further delay, we are excited to welcome Matt Schuster to our virtual studio. Hey, Clyde. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Bonnie. Glad to be here. And I I love your virtual podcast studio. It's beautiful. (laughs) Sounds like you and Regina really are partners in crime. Matt, tell your audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So uh, Matt Schuster, I'm the VP of strategy at Eastern Account System. Um, Eastern has been providing collection and call center services to the healthcare industry for over 30 years. Um, I've been here 16 of those years uh, in various roles, whether it's business development, operations, and and now kind of strategy and performance. Um, And I've also been involved with HFMA, the Healthcare Financial Management Association, for um, 15 of those 16 years. So I've been very close to the healthcare collections in um, call center space and just happy to be part of the podcast today to talk about uh, all this good stuff. So, Matt, besides knowing you'd be an interesting and erudite guest, we invited you to this chat because the nature of your career, and in particular, as you mentioned with Eastern, gives you a wide lens view of opportunities healthcare organizations may have to improve cash flow. Collection services in particular are increasingly commonly outsourced to vendors. So, can I start off by asking, why do organizations turn to outsourcing such a critical function to get the cash that they're owed for the services they render? Uh, It's a great question and a good starting point. Um, There's a number of reasons I think outsourcing in this space is a great idea, whether it's compliance, uh, whether it's having the right tools and technology, whether it's staffing um, issues, which we're all seem to be facing. I think, you know, a lot of this comes down to there's a lot of tools needed to be compliant and to increase your patient contact strategy and engage your patients um, is becoming increasingly important. And we also know that, you know, not just the big health systems, but also the professional practices don't really have the staffing tools or or components to do this efficiently. So um, again, I think each type of company has a different reason, but I think all of these start to fit into a holistic view of why you want to outsource. That leads to a really great question Matt, I'm curious as to the options in terms of outsourcing. Are you finding that there's a trend toward literally wrap wrap up everything and hand it over to you or certain components? Or is there any sort of trend that you've seen recently? I would say the biggest trend comes down to just proactively engaging with your patients. Um, You know, the traditional method of of sending three paper statements and kind of 
rubbing the rabbit's foot and hoping for the best just doesn't seem to be a strategy that's going to be effective. Some of the regulations that have come out recently, um, and we're not going to get political here because um, that's none of our style, but since the ACA, it's, it's been kind of known and, and seen that insurance premiums are continuing to rise along with that. So is the, you know, the patient portion of that increased deductibles, co-pays and co-insurance. So we're at a point now that I think they estimated last year that one in three American adults has healthcare debt that they're carrying. And so as that continues to increase, they've tried to ease that burden by pressuring the credit bureaus to not let these debts affect your credit. And the idea is they're hoping that providers will engage their patients earlier on and have the difficult conversations sometimes or sometimes uh, just being able to contact and say, do you understand your bill? What options can we provide you? Is that patient financing? Is that a payment plan? Um, is that filling out a charity care app where it's applicable? So I think the big trend is is getting away from the traditional passive approach that healthcare organizations have taken and say, hey, we, we need to proactively talk to our patients and have and get in touch and make sure we're engaging with them. So, Matt, most medical collection services that I'm familiar with offer contingency-based fees. So why are the results often underwhelming? We have had many clients at Barry Dunn over the years that complain about their collection vendor. If you wouldn't mind, what factors differentiate collections vendors if they are pretty much all working under a similar model? Well, you know, the beauty of contingency-based fees are, you know, if, if you're not collecting, you're not paying for it, which is a wonderful concept. Um, but I also look at the traditional saying, which is you pay for what you get. And so as, as we've engaged um, with clients throughout the years, whether it's filling out RFPs or, or those types of engagements for when they're looking for support, the prices never seem to increase, right? You have a cable bill every year your cable company raises their rates because their costs are going up. Um, a lot of times in the billing and collection space, it continues to be a driver of, well, how can I get a lower rate? How can I pay less? How can I pay less? And so I think that the underwhelming part comes from a collection agency can make money at any rate, but it's whether they're going to provide you the best service or not. And so if I have a really low rate, I might not be able to afford to work the entire portfolio. I may skim the top. I may look at the ones that have the highest likelihood to pay, and I'm only going to put my efforts there. So I, I think the big part of that is understanding your agency's approach and what that is and, and understanding that, yes, a contingency rate might be a few points higher, but if they're going to allow them to put that much more effort into the entire AR, then the results are going to net you back a lot more money. So it certainly sounds like providers at least historically, have focused on that percentage uh, and, and where that percentage is going to land rather than the actual revenues that they're going to collect. What sort of questions should healthcare providers be asking their outsourced vendor where they can really maximize and accelerate the revenue for their organization? Yeah, well, look, and we've all filled out RFPs, right? We've all spent weeks filling out a 20-page RFP, knowing that the person's probably going to go to the last row of the last page and go, okay, let's see who's got the rate I want to pay. Um, 
I always feel RFPs are great for kind of, you know, qualifying who's got at least the minimum skill set to, to service what I need. But I think the, the bigger part that I and kind of our approach at Eastern um, can be is we want to listen. We want to understand the problem. We want to understand, you know, every everyone's got similar problems, but everyone's got a slightly unique case. So where do you need that support? What is it? Um, and so when you're actually looking at those vendors, I, I think the bigger part is comparing what are you looking to provide? What is the holistic approach? Is it um, you know, how are you, if, if, if somebody's scoring for a propensity to pay, well, if you're scoring those high propensity accounts, are you only going to work those high accounts? Are you going to, what are you going to do with the lower scoring accounts? Um, I think there's also, you know, if applicable, I always think a site visit is, is the best thing you can do. I think meeting the team in person, um, seeing, you know, meeting the leadership team and understanding what it is they do is, is super important. Um, and, you know, references are obviously always great, but I, I think a lot of it comes down to understanding the approach. Um, I, I've seen recently everyone talks about, hey, we're texting now. We're sending people text messages. We're sending texts. It's great. Everyone reads a text message, but it's also the easiest thing to blow off, right? Every text message we send to a patient has to have a disclosure at the end that says, text stop if you don't want to receive these messages anymore. So while we think texting is a great additional way to contact patients. I, I think a lot of it from us comes from anyone who doesn't want to pay is going to not respond to the text. So I think some of it comes from persistence uh, in that approach. And I guess I'll, without rambling too long, I'll also say that I, I think there's a, a difference in mentality. Um, traditionally, healthcare providers have you know worried about PR, right? I, we've had plenty of clients that when we say, you know, when they ask, how are you going to contact our patients and how often? And if I turn to them and say, well, are you okay if I try and contact them once a day? I'm met with some horrific looks, right? And I'm not saying I'm going to call somebody and harass them every day, but if they don't answer the phone one day, why can't I call them tomorrow till they answer the phone? And that's a tough one for some healthcare providers to, to get past. But I can tell you every other industry, Eastern works in utilities and cable and, and, financial institutions they've been good at asking people for money for a long time <laughs> it's and it's okay uh, part of this whole strategy is to have these conversations with your patients so i think uh you know a long-winded answer is talk to your vendors about what they do and what they've seen and, and what their approach is um, versus going in and, and dictating what you think you want right i want you to call only patients with balances over ten thousand dollars once a month um Talk to them about what works. Yeah, you make some great points, Matt. I just want to dovetail on that. All these other industries are really great about asking for money, right? Even at the time of service and in healthcare, um, my 30 years in it, um, definitely we are not good at that. So I often refer to myself as a recovering revenue cycle professional since I've shifted my focus to compliance and revenue integrity. Um, but as I've listened to you talk today, I can't help but actually focus on how there is an upside perhaps with engaging the right fit vendor partner uh, for particularly for collections to reduce an organization's compliance risks and improve patient engagement. Um, in addition to everything of quality of AR, all that good stuff. And I see it that way because it has gotten complex. And to your point earlier in the discussion, everybody's struggling to find uh 
qualified, experienced staff that are able to do this work. So the right vendor partner who can keep up with the regulations, whether it's no surprises or different um, collections laws in various states, really could be um, a risk reducer. So that's my two cents. But I'd really, uh, Matt and Sue, like your final thoughts before we wrap up our discussion. I personally think that partnership is a key word there and understanding what the culture of your organization is. I think the healthcare providers are unfortunately suffering from a financial perspective. They started to embrace some of the tools. Epic is out there everywhere, right? We're all part of MyChart and other um, portals where the finances are mixing with the actual care delivery. So the patients are more aware of it. You've set a tone as an organization as to how you would like to educate your patients and how they would like to actually receive services. And I think finding that vendor partner and doing some of the things you suggested, Matt, of interviewing, going on site, understanding that that it is a partnership, no different than you're hiring your staff and going through that interview process and background checks and all of that. I think I think certainly sounds like it's key, not only as far as that presence and that PR that you talked about earlier, but also receiving that cash in a timely basis. I think one of the things I, I recall from a hundred years ago when I was a revenue person as well, <laughs> um, you know, really was the fact that people didn't actually send accounts out on a timely basis. And now there's, uh, I know you and I have talked briefly about uh, early out services and how that really can accelerate cash flow for an organization. Yeah, I mean, I, like I had mentioned earlier about what trends we're seeing, I think it's it's engaging patients and, and it's doing it early on in that early out space and, and having those conversations. And, you know, the health systems, you know, a lot of them are getting some type of uncompensated care reimbursement from state or federal. But, you know, what happens to the other providers that are providing services part of that hospital visit, the anesthesia group, the surgeon group, the radiology group? these folks aren't getting any of that. So when they start to see some of these regulations that are slowing down their cash flow from, from patient dollars, you know, anesthesia groups don't have a back office staff. It's usually a very minimal group, right? Who's going to be contacting those patients? And not only those laws about collecting, but what about the regulations of, am, am I okay to text somebody? Do I have consent to do that? Do I have, how am I calling their phones? Um, can I leave automated messages? You know, I, I think those things, and again, talking about picking the right partner in a sense, I, I think if you find the right partner, they're going to be transparent. They're going to let you see their operation. They're going to allow you to listen to calls, to hear the patient experience, to calibrate and, and make sure that my agents, for example, if it's my company, sound like your customer care department or your patient financial counselors. Um but I think it does alleviate a lot of risk. Like I had mentioned, you know, there's a lot of, it's becoming very, very difficult with the laws around how can you text somebody? How can you email someone? Um, you know, for example, when we get a list of email addresses, you actually have to scrub them out and make sure you're not sending them to a business address. You can only send things that look like it's a personal email address. And, you know, you don't want to run that risk of saying, oh, geez, we just sent, you know, emails to somebody's work address that's monitored by their IT department. Um, all these little things that you don't think about when you're like, hey, we send emails now. <laughs> well, it's it's out there. So I think there's that piece. But 
I think the big myth um, that I see, like I was talking before about the PR value is that it does create a better patient experience if it's done right. Having a conversation, uh, reaching out, most of our clients want us reaching out with, did you receive your bill? Do you have questions about it? Do you understand it? Then pivot to, you know, the payment options or what they can do. And I think if it's done right, it, it's, it's, it's not going to be patient complaints and, and the horror show that some people feel calling <laughs> patients and asking for money brings. Um, you know, I think we've done it for years in terms of even going into healthcare practices and consulting with their front desk staff who used to be scared to ask for money. If it's done right and professional, it's not going to generate complaints, but it will accelerate your cash flow to be able to have those conversations. I'm having flashbacks to my days truly a hundred years ago before even getting into healthcare with Jenny Craig <laughs> and, and having them teach you, how, how would you like to take care of that today? Cash check or credit card? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you, that's a great segue, Sue. And you know, everything that we're talking about, I have to say makes a ton of healthcare dollars and good sense. <laughs> so, I have to say, though, unfortunately, we've reached the end of this discussion. And on behalf of myself, Sue and Matt, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of Barry Dunn's Healthcare Dollars and Good Sense podcast. We also welcome listener questions and feedback on this episode, as well as suggestions for making more healthcare dollars and good sense in future episodes. Cheers to you all. 